We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace. Whatever we do for someone else, we do it for God. And he makes rather succinct comments about that in the Bible. It's not just a kindly thought he would bring across your mind. It is a command from him that we look at others on this earth as if it is God himself. There are rewards if one follows that command. There are penalties if one does not. There are two themes, one overarching for the 12 months. That theme is on that banner back there. Reach out with purpose. Resolutions for 2018. Reach out with purpose. Get out of the shallow waters. Go out into the deep waters. Not fishing for fish. Not fishing for money. Not fishing for success. But fishing for someone else. And I will use as a text for that theme, Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. This year, do nothing from selfish ambition or selfish conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to their own interests, but also to the interest of others. Let us not look only to our own interests, that's a given, but also to the interest of others. Reach out with purpose. Pastor Shower and I will lead you in a five-week series. Many of our small groups are following this five-week series. It is on stewardship. You hear the word stewardship, kind of like root canal. Not a pleasant word to hear, but necessary at times and for one's benefit. The title of this stewardship campaign is Enough. And I don't know what that means. It can mean one of two things. It can mean enough stuff. You say to your husband, George, are you kidding me, George? Can't park either car in the garage. You got all your stuff in there. Grandchildren can't play down the basement because you got all your stuff down there. And you spend 350 bucks a month on two storage facilities for all your stuff. So I guess it could mean that enough stuff, right? Or it could mean something else. It could mean enough of living for yourself. We always told our children what our parents told us. I hope you grow up someday. 
Hope you grow up in maturity. I hope you grow up in kindness. I hope you grow up in understanding of life. I just hope you grow up. And maybe that's what this enough means. Enough of living for yourself. Let each of you look not only to their own interests, but to the interests of others. I'm at LA Fitness last week. Never going to the locker room. But I had a heavy, heavy coat. And I hung that coat in the locker room. And after my workout, I go in there to get my coat. That's a 30-second operation. And another 30 seconds to get that coat on, and then I'm out of there. 60 seconds in that locker room. And a God moment in the locker room. Because as I'm putting on my coat, my back to everyone else, I hear someone say to someone else, I just finished the Dave Ramsey book. And I'm going to get my finances in order. Because I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of living selfishly. That's the word he used. I want to start living for others. You want to talk about a God moment. Because that's what these five weeks is all about. And that is what this message is all about. And I go into the gym locker room. And there is this man making that comment. I am tired of living for myself. I want to live for others. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. The first message of this series. Jesus commands this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth, where moth gets at them, rust, and thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves rewards in heaven, where moth and rust can't get at them, and thieves break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Store for yourselves rewards in heaven. There are two words that make a Lutheran shudder. The two words are good works. They just make us shudder. Because we know what the Bible says and we know what Martin Luther espoused. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace are you saved through faith. That faith is not of yourself, it's not of works, as any man should boast. Romans 4, 16. Salvation comes not by man's merit or works. comes by God's mercy and grace. We look at good works and we shudder. The Bible would not have a shudder. Because the Bible says so much about good works. Martin Luther himself said, A Christian will not be asked to do a good work because he'll already be doing it before he's asked. Thank you, Martin. 
Ephesians 2.10, very next verse. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for one purpose, to do good works on this earth. Titus 2.13, we share it every Christmas Eve. Jesus came into the world for two reasons. Number one, to save us from our sins. Number two, to set aside for himself a special people eager to do good works. Jesus, Matthew 5.16, part of his very first sermon. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And give glory to God. Galatians 5, Galatians 6, 7 to 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If a man sows to the fleshly nature, if you live on this earth just for you, if a man sows to the fleshly nature, it shall from that nature reap destruction. If a man sows his spiritual nature, what's his spiritual nature? It's reaching out to others with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Is reaching out to others. If a man sows his spiritual nature, he shall from that nature reap everlasting life. And then these haunting words. Do not weary then in doing good. For you will receive your reward at the appointed time if you did not give up. So then, as often as the opportunity arises, do good to all men, especially to those of the family of believers. It's there, people. It's there. There is no more pointed verse in the Bible that talks about rewards in heaven. And Matthew 6, where Jesus says, Don't store for yourselves treasures on this earth. Send your works ahead of you. Store for yourselves rewards in heaven. Store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Send it ahead. People, you can't take it with you. But you can send it ahead. What good is it to have a bank account on this earth overflowing if the spiritual bank account is bouncing checks all over the place? You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Let me read this final parable of our Lord this first Sunday of the year. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, he sit on his throne in great glory. All the people gathered before him, he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The king will say to those on his right hand, come, you are blessed by my father. You are blessed by God to understand why you are on this earth. Come, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And the reason I want you to take this reward that was prepared for you by Christ's death and resurrection. I was hungry 
and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty. And you noticed me and you gave me something to drink, I was a stranger. And you did not shy away from me, you invited me into your life. I needed clothes and you did not ignore me, you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me, I was in prison. And you didn't turn away, you came to visit me. And the righteous, those blessed by God, will say, You're God when we see you hungry. You're God when did we see you thirsty. Are you kidding me, God? When did we see God naked? And God said to them, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Rewards in heaven because of you using the time and talents and treasures that God gave you. Not just for your own interests, but for the interest of others. It became your greater desire to help someone else rather than yourself. And then he will say to those on his left hand, get away from me. Go into the fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you decided you'd give me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you decided you'd give me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and I remained a stranger because you wouldn't have anything to do with me. I needed clothes, and you said, take care of it yourself, I'm too busy. I was sick and in prison, and you pretended that I was invisible. And they will actually argue with God and say, are you kidding me, God? Are you kidding me? You hungry, thirsty, you sick, you in prison. And he'll say, I tell you this truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did not do it for me. And then they'll go away to eternal punishment. Rewards in heaven from the lips of Jesus Christ himself. They didn't have banks in Jesus' day. There were three ways to get wealth. Number one was fine garments. Fine garments, tapestries, rugs, blankets, clothing. You had enough of it in time of need, you could sell it, get some money. Fine garments. One problem with fine garments, they didn't have mothballs in Jesus' day. You store up these fine garments, and you go in one day and you see that there are little insects, moths, and they've eaten holes and everything. There was a second way to get wealth in Jesus' day, store grain in barns. Near East, always famous for their droughts, their famines. One going on right now, five years' worth. Jordan River, a trickle, Dead Sea, they're saying, might be gone in 10 or 15 years. The great Sea of Galilee, half of the volume it normally has. In Jesus' day, if you were wise and wealthy, you saved 40% of the harvest for when uh, the famines would come. You'd build barns to save the harvest. And then when the famines came, 
You would sell the grain at exorbitant price. There's one problem with storing up grain. It was called rats and mice and roaches and termites. In that verse, it talks about rust. We look at rust eating away metal. In the Greek, the word rust means brosis. It means eating away at something. Jesus was talking about rats and mice and termites and roaches eating away the grain in these barns. There was a third way you harbored wealth in Jesus' time. You sold assets for gold. There were no banks. You would dig holes in your house and you'd bury the gold. You'd put furniture over it and rugs over it and all that sort of thing. But the thieves were not stupid. The Palestinian houses made of baked clay. The thieves would dig a hole into the side of the house. And they'd head straight to the rugs and the furniture and they'd move them and they'd get your gold. Jesus was saying, no matter what kind of wealth you have on this earth, it's either going to leave you or you're going to leave it. You cannot take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Eternal rewards in heaven. Jesus never espoused selfishness. He would never command you to do good works so you can have a reward in heaven if your motive behind it was selfish. What was Zacchaeus' greatest moment on this earth? When he reached the $2 million mark? When he became the richest man in Jericho? Was that his happiest moment? When he reached the mark he had always had as a goal, he sat back flabbergasted that when he reached that goal, it did nothing for him inside. His happiest moment when he spent time with Jesus and when he came out of that time with Jesus, he exploded with joy. He said, half of what I have I'm going to give to the poor. And if I defrauded anyone out of anything, I'm going to pay it back fourfold. His joy was in his giving away to others. Man in gold's gym, I didn't even turn around to see what you look like. But I thank you for what you said. I'm tired of living selfishly. I want to live for someone else. Christmas Eve, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Family was here. Six-year-old boy got sick. Left the sanctuary, went and sat on that back pew all by himself. His 13-year-old brother saw him sitting out there all by himself. And without his mom or dad saying anything, the 13-year-old went out and sat next to his brother, put his arm around him, stayed that way the entire service. I said to the parents, I was so moved by what the young man had done. It's called compassion. 
The mom shared with me that uh, the previous night, 9.30 at night, this young man had gone out and shoveled five driveways, an hour and a half of shoveling snow. And the driveways he shoveled were the elderly in the neighborhood. And I said, your son is so blessed because compassion is not easily found. Certainly not in one that age. We're not talking generosity. We're talking compassion. Two stories and I'm done. One involves me. A week before Christmas, one of those informational documentaries on an organization called Operation Smiles. There are doctors and nurses in this country and in Europe all over the place. They go to the impoverished nations because there are tens of thousands of children who are born with facial deformities, cleft palates in particular. Some of them starve to death if the cleft palate is bad enough because they can't eat. And for those who remain alive, their life is a social pariah. No one wants to be around them because of the way they look. So their entire life is isolation. I watched it. I was moved. I did nothing. Three days later, it's on again. I watched it. I moved to the heart. I did nothing. Three days later, it's on again. This time I was moved to state why I wouldn't do anything. There are tens of thousands of such children. And if I send $240 to help one child, what good is that? Because there are tens of thousands that need this operation. They will bring into the room a hundred families. They'll have enough money to do an operation on 30 of the children. The other 70 are sent away till next year. $240 and a child can have this operation, have their life given back to them. I said, here's why I won't do it. And then a fourth time it came. L.A. Fitness, working out a week after surgery. Really dumb on my part. But the reason I'm there is because God has up on the television screen while I'm on the elliptomotion scene the same documentary. And that was it. I said, God, I got the message. Went home, wrote a check for $240. Checked out the organization. Actually called them. $240 minus what fees for administration? They said none. It includes administration. I went online. 85% of the money sent to them goes to help those in need. I said to them, $240 for the rest of my life. If I can send more, I will. I looked at the Good Samaritan Fund. It's doing fairly good, thanks to you. Send another $240 from them. And I sit and think there are 24 children in 2018 who will have their life returned to them. 
Not because of generosity, but because of compassion. Final story. She's one of my favorite shut-ins. I just love to go and visit her. I visited her husband and her. Her husband dies. I kept seeing her. Whenever I'd come and see her, she'd have two envelopes. Blue envelope in your packet, good, smart, and fun. A dollar in there. And then she'd have the regular church envelope, and she'd have three dollars in there. She'd say, Pastor, I wish I could give more, but I don't want to lose my house. And I need to have groceries, and I'm afraid I won't have enough money for groceries. And I would say to her, don't give anything. She said, no, I must. She passed away. The will was sent to me here at the church. Because she had left $1,000 to the church. When I looked at the will, her net worth was $2.4 million. I do not say it in any way, shape, or form to be derogatory to this dear, dear woman. She believed with all her hearts that she didn't have enough money. Someone said to me last night that their grandma was the same way and she had a great sum of wealth, but she lived through the depression and she was always fearful she didn't have enough. Maybe that's why Jesus said, if you have food and raiment, you ought to be content. Don't worry about tomorrow. God's already there. What shall you and I do? What shall you and I do with that which God gives us on this earth? He says in the Bible, Matthew 23, 23, you keep 90% of that paycheck. Let me have 10%. Because I have work to do. And you're going to help me do it. And beyond that tithe, there are Compassionary Nationals, there's St. Jude's Children's Hospital, there's Operation Smiles, there's Feed My Starving Children. I wish you had turned around and invited that guy in the locker room to come this morning to repeat his words. I'm tired of just living for myself. I'm tired of living selfishly. I want this year to help other people. The root canal is done. You'll feel better after a couple of days. Reach out into the deep waters. In our Lord's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Zacchaeus, I would change places with you. I'd love to be the richest man in the city. And he would say to you, No, you wouldn't. 
Because all that wealth for you does nothing for your spirit or your soul. It's only when I used it for others that I felt joy, that I felt that I was doing God's work. And even if I wasn't doing God's work, I felt good about doing it because I was touching not gold, but I was touching someone else's life. You died on that cross for our salvation. You sent your Holy Spirit to transform us that we might understand our purpose for being on this earth. Matthew 25. The hungry, the sick, those in prison, the thirsty. May my eyes see better this year, Lord, than they have in the past. In our Savior's name, amen.